This here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down cause you're overzealous. Play hard to get females, get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad, are showing body. A chick walks by, you wish you could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next day's function, high class luncheon. Food is served in your stone cold munching. Music comes on, people start to dance, but then you ate so much, you nearly split your pants. A girl starts walking, guys start gawking. Sits down next to you and starts talking. Says she wanna dance cause she likes to groove. So come on, fat so and just bust the move. Hi, folks. Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyAces.com, the premier destination for daily fantasy sports and home to incredible once-in-a-lifetime big-ticket live championship finals for pro and college football, baseball, and basketball. Join FantasyAces.com today and claim your 200% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 That's 4-F-O-R-4. So you're going Less about the five you're blowing. Theater gets dark just to start the show. Then you spot a fine woman sitting in your row. She's dressed in yellow. She says hello. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. It's week 12 in the NFL. I'm 4 for 4's senior DFS editor, Chris Raybon, joined, as always, by my co-host, TJ Hernandez. Happy holidays, TJ. Likewise. Happy Thanksgiving, Chris. How you doing this week? Doing pretty good, pretty good. We got a lot to get to today. We'll talk some Thanksgiving slate. Uh, our DFS theory topic will be on ownership percentages, but first I do want to mention the song that played us in was Bust a Move by Young MC off his 1989 album, Stone Cold Rhyming. This one takes you back, huh, TJ? Yeah, I was at, I was actually uh, laughing when I sent it over to you because it always reminds me of uh, that scene in Uncle Buck where, where Uncle Buck's walking through the party and the kid steals his hat, so uh, I don't know if I'm... If I'm aging myself a little bit, or if if all of our listeners are too young to know know about Uncle Buck, but if you're if you're young, and you haven't watched it. Go back; it's a classic. All right, there you go, TJ, giving recommendations out on DFS. <laughs> all right, so if you guys have been listening every week, you know that we have a free four for four DFS subscription giveaway, and. The winner of this week's free 4 for 4 DFS subscription is Sam Lopez. So congratulations, Sam Lopez. Please email DFSMVP at 444.com to get your free 4 for 4 DFS subscription. That's Sam Lopez. Please contact DFSMVP at 444.com to claim your free subscription. We will have the same giveaway this week. Please go online to iTunes, rate and review the DFS MVP podcast for a chance to win a free 4 for 4 DFS subscription. If you already have a subscription, you can win a free year extension. Alright, let's jump right into some Week 11 takeaways. Eddie Lacy finally, finally looked healthy last week. Was able to get 100 yards on the ground. So he may be returning back to previous form. I still would like to see him do it one more time to fully trust him. but And we'll get to this in a bit. But the weathers in the Green Bay game 
may cause them to rely on Lacey once again. And Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers, both great quarterbacks, but their numbers look like they are going to suffer a bit with all the loss of receiving weapons they've been having. Both had down weeks last week. They did play good defenses, but it was still obvious that their offenses as a whole were easier to defend minus their top receiving options. So those are my takeaways from week 11. TJ, I know you finished fourth in the 4 for 4 championship. So congratulations on that. What takeaways did you have from week 11? Thank you. Um, I mean, we got to congratulate. I don't know who, who Red Scare is. He still hasn't identified himself, but he took down first and second place. So that was, that was the real accomplishment right there. Red Shh. Scare came through. Congrats, um, Red Scare. All that shmoney. Shmoney. Yeah, but uh, I mean, my takeaways for, from week 11 were just that, you know, everything in DFS is always relative. Uh, I, I think a lot of people were in the same boat where there were so many injuries, so many players just, uh, you know, going out of the game early that it's you feel like you have no chance. But, you know, especially if you're playing on a site like DraftKings or something, don't don't let that, uh, uh, you know, discourage you from going through all all of the necessary steps, you know, throughout uh, the weekend, which, you know, includes something like late swaps. Uh, I went back on a couple GPPs and I just figured there was no way I was even close to contention and realized that, Oh, well, everybody's having a bad week. So made a couple late swaps and GPPs, even in some close cash games and some of them worked. Some, some of them didn't, but still make sure you're, you're checking, not getting too discouraged just because your most expensive player who happens to be a running back for the Falcons goes out after limited time. Uh, so, you know, it's all relative and keep that in mind when building lineups too, that pertains to ownership percentages, um, everything we've talked about in the past. So, uh, there, there's always hope. Definitely, definitely some good points there. Um, let's talk about the Thanksgiving slate really quickly, since I know a lot of people like to play the Thanksgiving slate, enjoy the Thanksgiving slate. There are a couple things that I wanted to get to but first tj i know you have some thoughts on just what type of contest to play if you're going to play the thanksgiving slate yeah so so i'll i'll let you run down some some of the specific picks but just some thoughts on how to approach thanksgiving um it's similar to like a playoff slate there's instead of four games there's three games but you still have that similarly sized slate uh for that reason there's probably going to be a lot of overlap which would usually drive me to only play GPPs. Uh, one thing worth noting, and I think this is, this pertains to both sides, is that the Thursday night game, the Bears and Packers, uh, that still counts for the Thursday through Monday slates, while the, the two earlier games are just on the Thursday slate. Uh, so that's a little unique thing to note if you're playing the, if you're going for that game theory approach where you play to fade the Thursdays. And like you mentioned, that night game pack, Packers and Bears, uh, it, it might be a particularly good game to play and fade, not only because it's going to be uh, probably pretty poor playing conditions, but it could be a situation where we see some even higher ownership percentages just because we know everybody's at home watching uh, football and Thanksgiving. So that whole effect of people wanting to see their players in action 
and even possibly just people signing up for the wrong contest because they're looking for that Thursday action, don't realize they're signing up for a Thursday to Monday. Uh, so there are a lot of factors that, that could benefit you in just playing GPPs on Thursday and then if you're playing that Thursday to Monday slate, possibly just fading that game entirely. Definitely. I definitely agree. It's really tough to play cash games on short slates. I don't really particularly like to do it. Um, so I generally stick to GPPs in those situations. As you mentioned, though, some potential for some bad weather in the Green Bay Chicago game. Right now, the forecasts are calling for a 100% chance of precipitation and 10 to 20 mile per hour winds. So if they reach the high end of the wind, uh, forecast that could potentially affect the passing game, the kicking game. Uh, the precipitation it really depends on whether it's rain or snow. Rain tends to not have much effect on offenses. It actually tends to sometimes benefit them a little bit. Um, s- snow, same thing, but it could um, it could cause the teams to rely on their running games a bit more if the conditions get particularly nasty. So that's something to think about because Aaron Rodgers was the second highest quarterback owned uh, in the Monday through Thursday FanDuel slates. And Randall Cobb was the second highest wide receiver owned. And I believe James Jones was the fourth highest wide receiver owned. So that's just something to think about in that game. And then something else I wanted to talk about that I just noticed. um, And I don't know where the line will end up, but Right now, there's been some line movement in the Eagles-Lions game. It actually opened at Eagles favored by a point and a half, and right now it's the Lions favored by two and a half. Um, the The book I'm looking at is Covers.com, so that's where I got those lines from, and there was some major line movement there. So I think now Detroit would have the second highest Vegas implied point total on the Thanksgiving slate. I think you have to take a look at Matthew Stafford, um, the 24.5 team total for the Lions. Uh, the Eagles rank 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And Calvin Johnson, of course, he's questionable, but it looks like he's going to play. The Eagles defense is ranked 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, two wide receivers, and of course the Lions-Eagles games will be played indoors, so no weather conditions to worry about in that game. So that's just what I wanted to touch on in terms of the Thanksgiving slate, but let us jump right in to the main slate at quarterback Carson Palmer. He is a really great pick. This week, he's ranked second in DraftKings points per game, third in FanDuel points per game. He's playing the 49ers. They are 29th in 4 for 4s schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Palmer leads the NFL in touchdown passes per game with 2.7 passing yards per attempt with 9.0. He's fifth in the league in passing yards per game with 306.6. And the 49ers allow 1.7 touchdowns per game, 8.3 yards per attempt, which is 30th in the league, and 277.8 passing yards per game, which is 27th in the league. And the Cardinals, they should be scoring some points this week. Their Vegas implied total is 27. Then, if you want to go down a little bit, in price, another play that I think will be 
po- very popular this week for good reason is Brian Hoyer coming back from a concussion. He's uh, 7,100 on FanDuel, minimum price on DraftKings. The Saints defense has allowed nine of the 10 QBs they faced to score 19 and a half or more fantasy points. They've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in 8 of 10 games, 300 passing yards in 7 of 10 games. And something I always like to look at that I know, TJ, you've talked about and I've also talked about is looking at a team's Vegas total compared to their average points per game on the season. And the Texans this season average 20.8 points per game. But this week, their Vegas total currently is at 26 points. So it's kind of a similar situation to what we saw with Kirk Cousins a couple weeks ago. Uh, Marcus Mariota where Vegas lines are higher than usual for a team and it's a really good situation for a quarterback. Uh, Hoyer's thrown multiple touchdowns in five of his seven appearances. And then another quarterback I also want to mention is Josh McCown. He's coming back uh, because Johnny Manziel got benched for partying apparently. (laughs) (laughs) McCown He's really cheap on FanDuel. He's 6300 which is actually, I think, more important than his minimum price on DraftKings because there are so many other minimum price options on DraftKings. But on FanDuel, 6300 is a really great price to find a playable quarterback. McCown averages 271 passing yards per game. He f- failed to throw multiple touchdowns in only two of his seven starts, and in one of those he left really early in the game. And... Only the Saints have given up more fantasy points per game to QBs than the Ravens. So the Saints are 32nd in uh, fantasy points allowed to QBs. The Ravens are 31st, and they are 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed as well. Uh, Baltimore has allowed a 19-4 to touchdown to interception ratio this year. So Josh McCown, don't sleep on him uh, now that he's back as a starting QB and a great matchup uh tj anything to add there no i really like the point about the uh relative implied total um that's one of the reasons we always discuss these rates uh you know touchdown rates uh, red zone rates just because you know a guy can be a low fantasy point score relative to other players at his position uh, but maybe someone like Brian Hoyer who has a relatively high touchdown rate he throws a touchdown on almost 6% of his passes the team just to- as a whole doesn't score a ton but when we do see them uh, expected to have a, a hike in scoring then that means uh, it's probably going to benefit someone like Hoyer a lot because he's done a lot of the team's relative scoring. So that's why it's really important, and that's always a really good note to make. Um, But jumping into running backs, this is a really interesting, unique running back week. Uh, We saw a couple injuries last week. We have some question marks, top guys like Devontae Freeman. It looks like he's going to play, but um, you you always have to be cautious with those concussions. Todd Gurley's in a weird spot. He's not in a very good spot, um, even though St. Louis is is going to run. Uh, we know they're going to run the ball. They're just huge underdogs to Cincinnati. And then we just have these 
this cluster of guys that are being thrust into starting jobs that are really good values. I mean, it's, we always want to be price sensitive, and we have this this group of running backs that are really interesting to me that are virtually the same price. You have Thomas Rawls, uh, Buck Allen, and Gio Bernard. They're all 6300 on FanDuel. Rawls and Bernard are... Um, I'm sorry. Um, Rawls and Allen are both at 4,500, uh, 4,600 on DraftKings, and then I think Geo's right in that price. Yeah, Geo's also 4,500 on DraftKings. So you have these players that are are really good values. We don't have uh, a ton of clear top guys at the top, uh, so it's a really unique situation where you might have to be picking one out of three, or you might end up just playing cheap running backs. Uh, so. We'll just run through them really quickly. Uh, we have Thomas Rawls, who I mentioned is 6,300 on FanDuel and 4,500 on uh, DraftKings. Uh, he's facing the Steelers, who have been pretty good against running backs. Um, but when Thomas Rawls has started, he has been very good in Marshawn Lynch's absence. He's averaging 23 carries per game without Lynch and 6.1 yards per carry. Obviously, that's uh, that total is kind of... Uh, swayed a little bit from his monster game this week, but he's still shown that he can carry the load for the Seahawks who are favored by four at home. So that's another thing that he has working in his favor. So although the matchup isn't great, Seattle is favored by by four at home, and that's always going to favor your running back. Uh, The next guy, Buck Allen, again, he is in a a questionable situation, but at a really good price and expected to be seeing starter snaps with Justin for set out. Baltimore running backs have accounted for 60% of all team touches, which is the seventh highest total in the league for team running backs. Uh, Cleveland ranks 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, and they allow 5.7 yards per touch uh, to opposing running backs, which is bottom five in the league. But at the same time, we have a Baltimore offense that has lost all of its starting weapons, every position. They're down Steve Smith. They're down their starting quarterback. uh, They're down Justin Forsett. Uh, Matt Schaub, he is a player that he's he's so bad that he's going to lower the value of that entire offense. But at the same time, we know Tressman's going to lean on the running back, and Cleveland's been so bad against the run that it could be a situation where we see uh, that that running back touch share increased even more for the team, which would obviously uh, favor Buck Allen. And then we have a guy that I really like who I don't know if he's particularly flying under the radar, but when you look at his his raw volume numbers, uh, it doesn't jump off the page. That's Gio Bernard. Um, I mean, he's, he's more or less splitting touches with Jeremy Hill, but he has been uh, – pretty clearly more effective and I think you can make argument for both of of the Cincinnati running backs in this spot uh, because they're favored by eight and a half at home uh, against a Rams defense that has been pretty generous to to running backs they uh, they rank 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed per game and Although Hill and Geo have have more or less been splitting touches, uh, Geo's averaging 6.4 yards per touch, while Hill's averaging just 3.4 yards per touch. And we like to, uh, 
I guess we consider Hill the goal line back. He still he still has the touchdowns, but Giovanni Bernard has just two fewer touches inside the ten. Uh, so he's still getting work with scoring opportunities, and he's going to be a little more dynamic because he is the the pass catching back in that offense. Uh, and then a final guy that I want to watch that's a, a good value and you might want to consider starting is Spencer Ware if uh, Sharkandrick West can't go this week. Uh, Ware's very cheap. He's still probably too close to the other guys I mentioned on FanDuel. He's 6100 while those other three are 6300 But he's only $3,800 on DraftKings. So, again, it's going to be a, a player that's going to be thrust into a starting role where we know they're going to use their running back heavily um, against a Bills team that has been pretty average against running backs this year. Uh, so it's it's a really unique situation at running back uh, this week. Chris, do you have any any takes on the position this week? Uh, I was wondering, do you like Geo over uh, Yeldon? My only problem with Yeldon is that Jacksonville just doesn't score with their running back. Um, they've scored ninety five percent of their offensive touchdowns through the air, uh, but you do have to consider Yeldon just because. San Diego's been so horrible against running backs. Um, they're, the Jaguars are favored by four at home, um, but I, I kind of favor that Jacksonville passing game just because they've relied so much on it. Bortles has been fairly effective, and Allen Robinson is is pretty clearly the best player on that team. Um, so I do uh, like Yeldon. I just worry kind of that Jonathan Stewart, Carolina running back effect, although it hasn't held the last couple of weeks, that he's going to get that run. And then when they, they get in scoring opportunities, they're going to kind of going to forget about him. Definitely. Great points. Yeah, Yeldon has struggled to score touchdowns all mm-hmm. year. Um, I, think, I believe he has two, and one of them came uh, through the air. Yeah. So great points. Uh, and that interesting Allen Robinson has an interesting matchup this week, too. If uh, Jason Verrett ends up shadowing him, that will be a really good one to watch. I think Robinson can win that one, but it will be a great matchup. Getting into some other wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins is 9,400 on FanDuel and 9,100 on DraftKings against the New Orleans Saints. Hopkins is the fantasy wide receiver, two on the season. The Saints defense ranks 31st in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game at 294 and dead last in the NFL in passing touchdowns allowed per game at 2.7 per game. Hopkins ranks second in the NFL in receiving touchdowns per game at 0.9 and third in the NFL in receiving yards per game at 104.5. And I mentioned earlier that the... Texans team total was a lot higher than usual at 26 points. This bodes well for Hopkins because he has accounted for 38% of Houston's offensive touchdowns this season. Julio Jones is in play. Odell Beckham's in play. Larry Fitzgerald, 7,400 on both sites against the 49ers. The Niners are 26th in 4 for 4s. Schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Larry Fitz is fifth in the NFL with 7.3 receptions per game, sixth in the NFL with 92.6 yards per game. He's averaging 9.8 targets per game, so the volume should be there. He's got a good matchup, and uh, you should feel confident about putting him out there. And then for some value, Stevie Johnson's price still pretty depressed. He's 5,500 on FanDuel, 4,500 on 
DraftKings. He's at Jacksonville. He's getting targets from a good QB at a discount against a poor pass defense. He's averaged nine targets per game over his last two games after all the injuries have really taken a toll on the Chargers. And Johnson has played almost all of the snaps. He's not really coming out of the game. He's their number one receiver. So that's a value play. We don't know if Amendola will play at this point. And even if he does, that Denver defense is really tough. So Stevie Johnson might be the way to go this week. Brandon Wafell also in a tough matchup against Denver. TJ, anything to add there? Uh, I do think it's it's an interesting week to note that, uh, you know, this is a classic example of you don't want to have any any hard and fast rules in DFS. You mentioned the expensive receivers and uh, kind of the, the broad um, overriding, like, theory on how to approach cash games. You want to pay up for your running backs, pay up for your quarterbacks uh, just because they're more consistent, and then save at wide receiver in general. Uh, this week presents a unique opportunity where you might be able to fit two of those expensive guys you mentioned, and it might feel a little weird compared to, to other weeks, but with the value at quarterback, with the value at running back, and with uh, the lack of quality top options, you know, we don't want to just blindly be plugging in those expensive plays just because that's how we think we're supposed to approach a lineup construction. So it's a really good time to to step back and and remember that every week is its own unique puzzle. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned those expensive guys because that's kind of the way I'm I'm kind of leaning this week uh, as well. Cool. So before we move on, I want to remind listeners that with just a few more weeks to qualify for the $500,000 Fantasy Aces Football Championship Live Final in Newport Beach, competition is heating up for the last few seats. On December 13th, the 40 finalists will square off in a one-day DFS battle for the $100,000 grand prize. But there is more than just prize money waiting for you and your guests at the Fantasy Aces NFL Live Final in Southern California. To start with, you'll enjoy three nights at the luxurious Balboa Bay Resort right on Newport Harbor. Then, you'll take a sunset cruise on a huge private yacht with drinks and a gourmet dinner. On Sunday, the live final VIP party will feature big screen TVs with every NFL game and endless food and drinks. Of course, the winner takes home that $100,000 grand prize. So do yourself a favor and qualify for the Fantasy Aces NFL Live Final. Trust me, it's a once in a lifetime experience and you'll thank me for the advice. Good luck and be sure to use promo code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, the letters F-O-R and the number 4 for a 200% first time deposit bonus. Moving on to tight end, uh, before I jump into to some of the more value plays and cash game plays, I do want to note that you mentioned that Amendola might be out, that the Patriots are facing a, a really good Denver defense. Um, Gronk has been letting people down quite a bit if you've been playing him in cash games. He had a really bad game on national TV, but that is going to drive his percentage down probably really low this week. Maybe it's the lowest we've seen it all year. Uh, so when you can get those elite guys in low ownership spots, uh, they're usually good options to play in GPPs. Uh, so I am considering Rock strongly for GPPs this week. But moving on to, to the more value guys uh, the, the one that stands out that's kind of stood out all year is Jordan Reed uh, his price has slowly crept up but it's still not in that like Greg Olson clearly elite status he's priced $5,800 on FanDuel $5,100 on DraftKings so he's a little more expensive on DraftKings 
is relative to the salary. But the Redskins are facing the Giants, who have been really poor against tight ends this year. They're 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Uh, Jordan Reed is still second in targets uh, per game among all tight ends. Uh, this game has the second highest over-under of the week. It's at 46.5 with a spread of just 2.5. So the higher point total and uh, the, the close spread means it, there is potential for a shootout. And if we do see a high-scoring game that's going to benefit Jordan Reed, usually means there's going to be a lot of passing, a lot of passing touchdowns, and tight ends have accounted for 47% of Washington's touchdowns, which is the second highest total in the league this year. Uh, dropping down to a value or pump play, a guy I really like this week is Heath Miller. Uh, he's only $5,300 on FanDuel, and he's $3,100 on DraftKings. Uh, Seattle's been good against the pass in general, but the one spot they've been a little vulnerable is versus tight ends. Um, only the, the Giants and the Saints have allowed more yards to the position uh, this season, and Seattle allows 16.2 schedule-adjusted fantasy points uh, per game to the position, which is the fifth worst in the league so there's some potential there and with Ben Roethlisberger playing Heath Miller's been pretty pretty much night and day he's averaging five catches on seven targets uh, with Ben in the lineup and over those games he's seen 11 red zone targets uh, so he's a guy that Roethlisberger has always kind of keyed in on and again we we have a situation where um, we still want to consider the fact that Le'Veon Bell's out and takes a away from a lot of those short passing opportunities, a lot of those goal line opportunities. So uh, Heath Miller could be a nice punt option this week. And then a guy that I think we have to start considering just pretty much every week uh, is Delaney Walker. Again, his he's a guy where his price is creeping up. He's now $6,100 on FanDuel. Still pretty reasonably priced, but you know it's getting up there. And $5,400 on DraftKings. But he does lead all tight ends in receptions. Uh, he's clearly the number one target for the Titans. And we know Oakland has been fairly poor against tight ends. They've They've been doing a little better than they were at the beginning of the year, but uh, seven targets per game against uh, Oakland defense ranks 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the tight end is probably not going to be a bad spot. It's Delaney Walker is going to be one of the rare, safer options at tight end uh, week in and week out. Definitely. Yeah, Delaney Walker, I his, I believe he's averaging 5.9 receptions. Again. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, for a tight end. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Jordan Reed, and something to note too is I believe the Giants are finally going to get cornerback Prince Amukamura back, and that would just help funnel the ball to the tight end because yeah. Amukamara can cover, Rodgers Cromartie can cover, so, you know, if they have both of their cornerbacks at full strength on the outside, I think that's just more reason for the Redskins to throw the ball over the middle to Reed. So really like Reed this week as long as he suits up. Um, at kicker, Nick Novak is 4,500. The Texans are playing the Saints, so Novak is at home. Uh, favorite, 26-point team total. The Saints rank 31st in schedule-adjusted Fantasy points allowed to kickers, so minimum priced option, probably the best option to go with this week. Uh, TJ, what you got for defense? Uh, defense, despite the price tag, I think you have to look at the Cardinals. Um, Niners are just uh, a team in shambles. Uh, I 
usually try to avoid a road team, road team but um, against the Niners, favored by 10.5 with the Niners in a pl- implied point total at just 17. Uh, I think the Cardinals you have to make a, a pretty strong case for. Uh, they are $5,300 on FanDuel. They are $3,900 on DraftKings, so uh, they're going to be expensive. But if you can fit them, I think targeting the Niners' offense is, is a pretty good uh, option. Uh, we have to assume that the Cardinals are going to be up big probably early, and Niners will be in catch-up mode. Uh, but Cardinals have allowed the fourth-lowest completion percentage in the league. So uh, against Blaine Gabbard, that could present some really nice turnover opportunity. Uh, and then uh, I mentioned... Their running backs, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, usually running backs and defense have a pretty strong correlation. And the Bengals come at a pretty good value against uh, the Rams this week. The Bengals are $4,800 on FanDuel and $3,200 on DraftKings. Again, they're favored by uh, 8.5 at home. Uh, They're 8th in the league in sacks, so quarterback pressure is always something that translates directly to fantasy scoring and again looking at that vegas implied point total uh st louis has the lowest implied point total of the week uh, just under 17 16.8 so they're probably not going to score a lot and the Bengals can get pressure on the quarterback so um you know that's a spot that can be really good and I actually don't even know who's going to be starting a quarterback for the rams do we have uh, news on that chris ah uh, let's check right now i believe it was good i think it's gonna be Foles this week but okay let me see if there's any update on that situation <clears throat> yeah because i haven't seen anything on it but uh yeah I, I don't see anything on any update i I don't think keenum's been cleared yet though yeah so. he suffered that pretty ugly which they didn't even pull him but everyone saw the the video of him getting knocked knocked pretty cold and then staying in the game so it's going to be either way whoever starts at quarterback the Bengals are going to be in a good spot yeah oh it actually says he will start if healthy um, so there's some optimism there so I might be Keenum actually it's yeah. interesting that the Rams actually have a slightly lower implied point total than the 49ers the Niners yeah playing and, against and- the Cardinals it's it's pretty telling that Vegas still put out a a line and a point total when they're not even <laughs> sure who the quarterback's going to be. Usually, that's like one of the biggest things that keeps a line from being posted. Uh, Vegas is basically telling us they don't care that St. Louis doesn't have a chance, regardless of who plays. Wonder if it would be like that if Sam Bradford was still the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wouldn't even be healthy right now. He, he's injured for the Eagles. He'd probably be injured oh, for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, okay. We digress. Let's get into our DFS theory segment. Today we're going to be talking about ownership percentages and how they affect your odds of winning, basically, in tournaments. So I'll start off by what I did over this past week was I compiled a list of all of the winning Lineups for the DraftKings Millionaire Maker Tournament and the FanDuel Sunday Million Tournament. The DraftKings Millionaire Maker is uh, usually a $20 entry fee. The FanDuel Sunday Million is a $25 entry fee. And what I did was I charted the ownership percentages of each player in the lineup. And I broke them down by position. So I'll just share with you guys a few... Trends that I picked up on that I thought were interesting and wanted to share. So first of all, 
what I found was quarterback is a position where you generally want to go with a low-owned option. On the FanDuel Sunday Million, the average ownership in of all the winning lineups, and there are obviously 11 winning lineups, there's been 11 weeks, the average ownership of a quarterback in a FanDuel Sunday Million tournament was 5%. And there hasn't been a quarterback in the winning lineup any of the 11 weeks, that's been higher than 8.8%. The range has been 2.2% to 8.8%. So that's really something to think about when you're entering your FanDuel tournaments. Any of the chalk plays have not paid off in terms of actually taking down a big, the big FanDuel tournament. So something to keep in mind there. And then with the DraftKings Millionaire Maker, the average ownership for quarterbacks in winning lineups was 7%. And that is also pretty low. It was only in double digits two of 11 weeks. And that average ownership percentage of 7% for quarterbacks in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker winning lineups was the lowest of all positions except flex. And I counted flex as the lowest owned, uh, if it was a wide receiver or a running back, I just counted the flex as the lowest owned option uh, of that, of those three, of the three or the four players. And another trend I noticed that, there's usually one chalk play at running back and one chalk play at wide receiver in winning lineups. In the DraftKings Millionaire Maker, the highest owned running back in a winning lineup, uh, the average ownership percentage was 29%, which is pretty high. And the highest owned wide receiver in a DraftKings Millionaire Maker winning lineup over the first 11 weeks was 30%. So highest owned running back, 29% average ownership, highest owned wide receiver, 30% average ownership. That's pretty high. That means you can have some chalk plays in your in in your lineup. Um, usually, it's the sweet spot is a two chalk plays, and it's usually one at running back and one at wide receiver. Um, FanDuel Sunday Million it was the same story. The highest owned running back average ownership was 23%, and the highest owned wide receiver in a lineup's average was also 23%. And in general, the FanDuel Sunday Million tournament, you had to be a bit more contrarian. The FanDuel Sunday Million had a lower average ownership percentage per player on average. So the average player in a winning FanDuel Sunday Million lineup was 10.9% owned. But the average player in a DraftKings Millionaire Maker winning lineup was 14.6%. So 10.9% in a FanDuel, 14.6% on DraftKings in terms of average player in a winning lineup. So a lot of people always ask me about ownership and, you know, how to go about it and, you know, what the winning lineups are doing. So I thought those are a few trends that were interesting. So TJ, I know you have some thoughts about those and just about how those trends in larger GPPs compare to smaller GPPs. Yeah, I'm, the, the reason I wanted to cover this topic is because it's something I'm still exploring myself. Um, there's obviously more than one way to skin a cat in a tournament, and not every tournament's uh, built the same. Uh, the reason I got to thinking about this this week is because you mentioned that um, I played in the 4-4 championship. Unfortunately, I haven't qualified for one of the bigger live finals yet. Hopefully it happens soon, but... Um, it was interesting to play in one of these championships just because it's such a unique uh, situation compared to what we're used to. Uh, we discuss the millionaire makers, the Sunday millions, and even these smaller GPPs that we play in with, uh, you know, 
the good value GPPs every week, even those have you know upwards of 5,000 people in them. So we're still looking for um, at least one very unique play or a very unique lineup construction because we're trying to separate ourselves from the crowd. Um, and one of these smaller championships, even if it's a live final where there's 200 people, that's still not that many people. Uh, you're, you're not forced to just find this one percent play you're not forced to have some super unique uh um stack or double or triple stack you can kind of favor just putting out what you think is going to be a high scoring lineup with maybe a little bit of differentiation in there um but not some crazy differentiation and it leads it lends itself to to a lot of game theory uh, because generally in a smaller championship um, you're, it's going to be, f- be filled with, with sharper players. Um, players are g- going to be more aware of what the chalk is. Uh, they're going to be more aware of who the, who the um, higher expected value fades are. Uh, so there's a lot of game theory there. You know, there's you can look at it a couple ways. You can say that the chalk's going to be even chalkier because everyone's uh, knows the correct play. There's not as many players making these egregious errors. But there's also going to be a lot of spots where uh, players are trying to outthink each other, and some some players you might not think are are highly owned um, end up being higher owned. So you can be in a spot where uh, you think a player is is a good low percent play. Um, but you realize that this is a smaller tournament with a lot of a lot of sharp players. Uh, now that guy turns into uh, a player to avoid. So I'm just I'm just going to run through some very interesting things that I noticed looking at uh, uh, players in the four for four championship compared to the Sunday Million. Um, Russell Wilson is a guy that won both the 4-4 championship and the Sunday Million on FanDuel. Now, in the 4-4 championship, he was 6% owned. In the Sunday Million, he was 2% owned, so three times as high in the 4-4 championship. Uh, Latavius Murray, uh, he was a guy that I played who was, if you thought about it, it's a pretty good play. Raiders are expected to have a high-scoring game. It didn't work out, um, but we've seen it in the past where a slightly negative correlation actually works out. Chris, you've talked about it a lot, how it's actually probably pretty good. If you have a receiver going off, it helps the running back. So Latavius Murray was 16% in the FanDuel Championship, only 7.5% in the Sunday Million. Again, a much higher percentage in a smaller tournament full of assumingly very sharp players. Um, In that same game, Michael Crabtree, 54% in the FanDuel Championship uh, compared to just 29%. Uh, in the uh, Sunday Million. So again, we see a spot where uh, a lot of sharp players are very aware of who the a very high value is, and we see the ownership percentage almost double there. Uh, Jimmy Graham, a guy that I touted very highly last week, and uh, maybe because this was a 4-4 championship, it had something to do with it because I wasn't shy about talking talking about him and i'm assuming if people are playing in the 4-4 championship they've had some exposure to the podcast you so absolutely Jimmy, moved the needle there you, you, you yeah moved, I it's, think it's, I it's I, 16 I, to 4 like it's yeah, four times it's exponentially times. increased you yeah you have so I'm gonna, officially I'm gonna moved the needle i moved the needle and probably should have thought about that and faded him it, it didn't work out too well <laughs> but but you know if you were rostering russell wilson you were probably going with one of his pass catchers and Jimmy Graham's not a not an awful uh, spot there, but yeah, that's a pretty massive, um, pretty massive uh, uh, difference. Four times is huge, and then uh, a guy that was uh, was flipped around, and this is where I'm talking about where 
you know, maybe people are maybe trying to outsmart each other, uh, maybe to almost a fault. Darren McFadden was just 4% in the 4 for 4 championship where he was 7.9, just under 8% uh, in the Sunday Million. So half, just half owned in, in the, um, in the 4 for 4 championship. So the, those are just some interesting things to know. And like I said, there's, there's no one way to skin a cat these GPPs, but uh, these smaller championships are going to offer some, some really unique opportunities for, for game theory and for you to really, uh, you know, take advantage of just knowing what, what sharp players know. Instead of looking at, at public perception, you know, what, what are the sharp what are the sharps on? What are the people that are working on this day in and day out? What are they on? And that could formulate your strategy a little bit more than something like our our weekly ownership outlook. Um, it's just gonna gonna vary so much in a small field tournament compared to these massive fields. Uh, so it's something you should be looking at. It's something you should be considering. Just don't go into a GPP uh, blindly assuming that what what you think the ownership's going to be. Uh, for the week is is going to be like that across the board. It, it's going to vary by game, and the biggest factor is probably going to be the size of that game. Uh, so some interesting notes, um, some really interesting things to think about when when you're going into GPPs. And I know this isn't our classic theory where we're just giving you a, a answer of there's an X X and Y to do, um, but still we want to explore how to think about the game how to find an edge just being aware of these things is an edge in in and of itself uh going into building a lineup um so chris do you have any closing notes on on our theory topic this week uh no not really just reminders you know i mentioned that i was i basically charted all the ownership percentages um given these were in large field gpps but i think one of the things um, I also charted the the salaries for the players, and this is a little off topic, but I just thought it was useful to uh, reinforce. Um, it just shows that people are spending, uh, the winning lineups are spending uh, a lot on wide receivers. Um, the average wide receiver one and wide receiver two on, on DraftKings uh was 7,600 in winning lineups, whereas the average running back one and running back two at, was 5,500. So, you know, that's a $2,000 difference on average between your, your RB1, RB2, and your wide receiver one, wide receiver two. So, you know, again, that's something to think about. You always, in tournaments, you want to uh, really try to pay up to get those stud wide receivers in your lineups. I think this is, as you mentioned earlier, TJ, one of those weeks where it's very easily done because there are so many values at running back that you can pay for a Hopkins and a Julio or a Beckham and, and, and a, even a Fitzgerald all in the same lineup. Uh, so something to consider in tournaments. Good stuff. But, um, yeah, man. Uh, that will wrap it up for us this week. Once again, I want to mention that uh, we will be giving away another free 4 for 4 football DFS subscription this week. So to win, go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. You can find us on iTunes by searching DFS MVP next week. A winner will be chosen at random from everyone who rated and reviewed the podcast. And the winner will be announced at the beginning of week 13's podcast. So... 
Thank you very much for listening to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week 12. Happy holidays to you and yours. And let's get this money. Let's get this money. So you're going Could care less about the vibe you're blowing uh, Theater gets dark just to start the show Then you spot a fine woman sitting in your row She's uh, dressed in the yellow She says hello Come sit next to me you fine fellow uh, You run over there without a second to lose And what comes next? Hey, bust a move Stolen. A girl runs up with something to prove, so don't just stand there, bust the move.